welcome to Disrupt Podcast. I'm Tom Jackson. And I'm Gabriella Mulligan. Thank you for joining us in episode two of this four-part podumentary focusing on the e-commerce and retail tech space in Africa. Brought to you in partnership with three of the continent's leading startups in the sector, Trade Depot, Omnibiz and Marketforce. Last episode, we ended our discussion with lingering questions around whether or not the Amazon-style mega-platform approach to e-commerce is a good fit for Africa, and whether this style of platform will ultimately be the key to unlocking the potential of the continent's commerce landscape. In recent years, we've seen a rise in the number of e-commerce startups active on the continent, but notably, they tend to operate in niche segments, such as electronics or food, for example. Retail tech solutions focusing on B2B models are also increasingly dominant, as our partners here today can attest to. So we start this episode by asking, is Africa better suited to more niche e-commerce platforms rather than the mega platform? Here's Dapanka Rustagi of Nigeria's Omnibiz, which operates an end-to-end supply chain framework. So we think e-commerce will work with niche e-commerce, right? It enables the players to focus all their efforts into one direction. Uh, so e-commerce for art and e-commerce for fashion and e-commerce for electronics as much as we would like to for one company to do it all um, it requires a very different infrastructure from warehousing to logistics from demand creation that means the front end which engages the audience so we feel because the african market is very very um, fragmented it would have verticalization where people would be leaders of different verticals and evolve as mega platforms in in those verticals rather than multiple verticals. Tesh and Babu of Kenya's Market Force, which facilitates trade between informal retailers and consumer brands via its digital marketplace, believes the issue is more around geography, not so much range of products carried. The difficulties around achieving local relevance in many markets is what poses the biggest hurdle to e-commerce startups on the continent, he says. Yeah, I'll I'll take a regional view uh, rather than a niche platform view in this case. I think it's easier to build um, very large e-commerce businesses within specific markets. So the real hindrance to building a mega platform is being able to build a platform that can transcend borders. Um, And that speaks to the processes of onboarding suppliers in the different markets. How do you handle payments? How do you build up talent bases uh, and expand within different geographies? That That's a real uh, challenge to solve. But I do believe a mega platform uh, will emerge with a company that's able to solve those uh, problems. And why is the focus in the space changing from consumer focus to B2B? Here's Kachi Izukane of Nigeria's Trade Depot, a B2B e-commerce and embedded finance platform which enables factory-to-retail distribution for consumer goods companies. He tells us it is the role of the continent's small local retailers within communities and to Africa's economies that makes the B2B market more compelling. We consider this small retailer to be the centre of the commerce universe in emerging markets, right? Um, We got here because... These informal operators tend to be the most resilient players you can come across. And so what tends to happen in markets with all sorts of, you know, all forms of dislocation is that the informal segment of that economy will continue to grow, right? You will have more and more of these informal, unorganized players popping up 
primarily driven, you know, by um, a need to make a living for themselves and for their families. But where you end up is having an e-commerce landscape or a commerce landscape that is really built on the back of these operators. And so the, the, the focus in our view, you know, has to be to figure out how to make these small operators successful, right? Figure out what they need, figure out how they can get support for financing, how they can get support in selecting the right assortments, how they can get support in getting access to, to inventory and to the best deals, right? But a model that is built around these operators, um, where being what makes more sense for this market, in our view, really means that the focus should be more B2B than B2C. And here's Tesh. Yeah, I think, well, something that is, is important to note is um, it's very tricky to copy-paste e-commerce models from the West um, where you have infrastructure like logistics, if you think about UAPS or FedEx, uh, able to fulfill orders. Uh, think about the rise of Netflix, for example, relied on such infrastructure being present. Um, in Africa, that's very difficult, and that's why B2B-focused platforms have performed better in the sense that they're able to aggregate orders and by doing that, reduce the cost of logistics uh, to deliver to these customers. And also, if you think about the customer profile, B2B customers are slightly more sophisticated. They are entrepreneurs who are willing to try out new things, risk. Um, so even in terms of behavior change to make orders online, uh, that's that's worked better in the B2B front. And lastly, the marketing cost. So an average retailer uh, on market force, for example, will spend $1,000 every month. Um, whereas on a B2C customer, um, very few B2C customers are able to afford that, leave alone, do it on a monthly basis, right? So the aggregation of orders by these merchants uh, make the B2B uh, approach more interesting for Africa. So within the retail tech space, how is technology now revolutionizing existing brick and mortar retailers? While there are a range of issues to be highlighted, one theme that comes up in every related discussion is access to credit. Let's go to Topanka first. So the brick and mortar retailers have faced a very large problem for years, which is around uh, not having enough working capital to service their customers, because of which these retailers have to cut down on the inventory. These retailers have to cut down on the number of SKUs or the variety they offer to the customer, and which makes them small and makes them less and less profitable. So uh, these challenges of not using, not being digitized, not being credit worthy, not using any tools, makes it tough for them to build a business that is scalable over a period of time. And I think these are the major challenges uh, faced by them. So tech now is revolutionizing this by providing a backend, a digital backend to these retailers. So their transactions are noted, they become more worthy of credit from various aspects and they can increase their working capital thereby increasing their inventory, increasing their offering to their customers, growing their top line and building their profitability. So I would say we've spoken about 
we've heard about 7-Elevens and Walmarts, which are the front end. Nigerian retailers or African retailers never had a backend, a technology backend supporting them to scale. Today, that tech system is being developed, which is enabling them to scale up. Tesh says technology is ultimately transforming African retailers into data-driven businesses. I think what technology platforms are doing is telling uh, mom and pop stores and traditional like manufacturers, traditional players that there's a new way of doing things and showing them the real value. I, mostly driven by transparency, data, and convenience. So B2B commerce is appealing to manufacturer because it helps them to sell directly to small retailers uh, without having to work with so many intermediary sub-distributors, wholesalers in the process. Having that visibility into who is buying at what price, where are they buying it, and then optimize the operations uh, based on that. And operations including marketing activities and, and spend. Uh, on, on the side of the merchants, digitizing how they order uh, is enables them to be smarter entrepreneurs. So they're able to even understand what SKUs are making them more profits, you know, um, reminding them of to reorder at certain times to make sure they're not running out of stock. Um, and most importantly, I think, is giving them access to the credit that enables them to increase the number of products they're able to stock in their shops and earn incremental revenues. And are African businesses proving more willing to trust online solutions and adopt tech-powered products than perhaps consumers were? The African businesses are more willing, for sure, compared to the consumers, to try the uh, tech-powered products because they, they've had this need in their day-to-day -day life to scale their business. And when they see these uh, tech-powered products providing their more, them more visibility, more insights, uh, more access to capital, they have the visibility of scaling their businesses with it. vis a -vis, in case of consumers, the adoption was slow because there was a direct comparison, but in that comparison, they were not getting the same quality of service as expected um, overseas. So that comparison did not give them that satisfaction. So I would say, for sure, retailers have a much better adoption rate compared to the consumers. Depanka there. While transforming the retail landscape in Africa is a headline-worthy goal, why is it important in economic terms? Kachi explains. These stores are pretty much, I mean, generally SMEs are the backbone of, of, of any economy, right? And more so in markets like this one where you have an outsized contribution from, from these sort of SMEs across the continent, about 90% of all retail is informal. I mean, Africa is a trillion dollar consumer goods retail market every year. And 90% 90, 90 of that, you know, being driven through in, informal SME and retail operators is very significant. In fact, in some markets like Nigeria, which is um, the, the biggest economy on the continent today, between 97 and 98% of all retail happens through these informal operators. So the importance, I mean, these stores, I doubt you would find any single other segment of the economy that is as important as these stores are. 
We have previously, particularly in episode one, touched upon the challenge posed by Africa's lack of existing structures when it comes to building out an e-commerce landscape. We spoke about how early entrants to the B2C e-commerce space had to operate asset-heavy platforms and address issues in multiple segments, such as logistics, not only put up an e-commerce platform. When it comes to retail tech, the same issues apply, says Kachi. And any retail tech solution will have to involve a reimagining of fintech and logistics as well. I would say that the process of enabling commerce in Africa with technology invariably will mean, um, will, will involve a lot of innovation around logistics and around access to financial services, right? And ultimately, both of these things are most relevant within the context of commerce. And so figuring out how to how technology transforms commerce on the continent or how technology transforms retail on the continent will be built on the back of figuring out how technology transforms logistics and how technology transforms um, access to financial services. So very specific examples, you know, um, logistics, Logistics could easily be the biggest cost you have to deal with when you're thinking about distribution. And so a, a very important role for technology to play here is enabling you to optimize and aggregate, you know, allow you to, to, to get the most volume of goods distributed for the least distribution cost. And this on its own, results in a logistics landscape that would be significantly different from what it was before you started this effort. From a fintech standpoint as well, and, and again, this is a market in which there has been a lot of effort and investment going into fintech. But when you're thinking about the very informal sector and the fact that you know these are operators who tend to, op- to deal with lots of cash, for whom a lot of the more digital-only interventions tend not to be very relevant, there is quite a bit of reimagining required to 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 develop um, interventions that actually are transformative for these operators. Right? You know, so a typical store whose customer will come and pay pay in cash and who needs access to financing but doesn't really pass transactions through their bank account. There is a need to rethink the right sort of solutions that will give them the access to finance that they need. Tesh agrees, but he says this is where the power of the sharing economy is realised. Startups operating across various segments can come together to plug the gaps in Africa's retail backend. We've taken a slightly different approach to this. Uh, if you think about the B2B commerce space, there's players that are asset heavy or asset light, and you hear this a lot. Uh, asset heavy players quite literally just replacing existing distributors and layering on technology. So what that means is they will own warehouses, they will own inventory, so buy inventory and sell the inventory. They will many times, at many times, own logistics assets, tracking um, to that they use to deliver the orders. So very uh, operations heavy. Then Market Force has taken an asset light approach uh, to this and our imagination is based on the timing and the fact that there's a lot of players solving for more niche problems. So there's fintech solving for, you know, aggregating different payment channels uh, for merchants to use. 
their wallet providers or banking as a service providers that are embedding or building embedded lending solutions, enabling merchants to accept digital payments. There's logistics providers who are going out at the market, consolidating the available logistics, available warehousing and making it available on demand to companies like ours. So we've taken that partnership approach uh, to work with existing players who have an unutilized or underutilized assets, uh, leveraging on that to fulfill orders uh, for us on a daily basis. So I think that's a real power of marketplace and the sharing economy uh, and replicating the successes we've seen with such platforms in, into our context. So all things considered, has the value proposition of African e-commerce actually turned out to be different than originally thought? Topanka says yes. Previous iterations were aspirational, but failed to account for the challenges of doing consumer-facing business on the continent. So yeah, I think in my opinion, when we previously imagined e-commerce, it was more from the perspective of reaching directly to the consumers without thinking about the broken supply chain without thinking about exactly who are the suppliers, how evolved are the suppliers, what, how much visibility do we have on the supply side of the ecosystem. We built great aspirations onto the demand side. So I would say in the way it's evolving, it's now taking large steps in building that ecosystem. So. I would say from when we started imagining about it today, it has transformed in a big way. So that that vision of a consumer consumer centric e-commerce, we all know is is not a very large market right away, but over a period of time, it would evolve to be a larger market. There is a ready B2B market, and that's why you've seen various initiatives in various categories in B2B, retail tech startups emerging. Tesh agrees that the value proposition of the B2B model has been far easier to demonstrate. In the last three years, there's been a boom in B2B, the B2B approach or B2B commerce marketplaces uh, compared to B2C. So that's really a fundamental difference. And the question has come up a lot. uh, Why B2B versus B2C? Um, but what's what's been very uh, great to see is how much merchants have been willing to get on board on e-commerce. Uh, the trust barrier has been easier to solve for compared to B2C simply because it's a pay on delivery approach. The risk on the merchant side is not as high as on uh, consumers ordering stuff online. So, and probably because of the various factors that we've talked about, the execution of B2B marketplaces has also been uh, more seamless and the value accretion then has been much clearer uh, for the customers. And so from the perspective of a startup operating in the e-commerce and retail tech space, is B2B where the opportunity lies? I, I believe so. And that's why Marketforce chose to go the B2B route. Uh, mainly because of the aggregation and we believe it's more effective from a fundamentals perspective. So delivering $5,000 orders using one truck 
versus delivering, you know, a $50 order uh, to one customer. So if you look at the fundamentals in terms of the ratios and um, cost of logistics, cost of acquiring customers, cost to serve ultimately just makes more sense. It will be route. Tesh there. Here's the panker. From a startup perspective, B2B is where the scale and the opportunity lies. This is where unit economics makes sense for these startups. This is where um, path to profitability is a possibility in the near future. In fact, the B2B model is so attractive, Tesh is on alert. The biggest challenge going forward for retail tech ventures in Africa is going to be competition, he says. Yeah, so the challenge, the biggest challenge for B2B is uh, over time, very high competition because it's a very clear market uh, opportunity that a lot of startups are looking to solve for. So uh, a lot of smart merchants um, take advantage of discounts and free delivery and might switch from one digital player to another based on the price. And then some startups, you know, leveraging uh, this discounts and incentives to bring users onto their platforms that, but not really being able to build customer loyalty. I think that's that's been the biggest challenge in the space. So, but over time, especially uh, in this funding environment, you see um, more startups are really focused on the fundamentals of their businesses. So less price wars uh, will lead to more sustainable businesses being built, which is great for the ecosystem. there you have it, the lowdown on how African e-commerce is pivoting, away from the search for an Amazon for Africa and towards sophisticated B2B platforms with the continent's invaluable small retailers taking centre stage. Tune in again next episode, where our partners at Trade Depot, Omnibiz and Market Force will be digging into their personal experiences of fundraising for their African retail tech ventures. Till then, bye. Bye.